Ed McLaren wrote, and the question comes to each of us, are we daily, as sure as we put our clothes on in the morning, putting on Christ the Lord? We started looking at this passage last week, and we're talking about God as our clothes in this metaphor. One of the metaphors for God that's not so common, is it? We all have our favorites, probably two or three from Scripture, and thinking of God as our clothes isn't common. I suggested, though, last week, this is a stunning metaphor for God, and I really believe it can help us learn more about God, learn more about His love for us, learn more about how to love Him better, and ultimately learn how to live in this world as He would have us live. And hopefully those of you that were here last week have been thinking about it through the week as you've as you've been going through your lives and thinking about God as our close. So I want to talk about this metaphor today in much more depth and really think about what it may mean, God as our close. We use, here's where it comes from with, with Paul, we use clothes to create and to communicate identity. We use them to create and establish or sometimes destroy community. We use clothes to cover to protect, to hide. Clothes are consistently closer to us in physical intimacy than anything else. And clothing ourselves is the most singularly, singularly consistent routine in our lives. We don't do anything as much as we do clothing ourselves. So, Let's start then and dive into this. Let's start with identity. Identity. Alison Laurie writes, For thousands of years, human beings have communicated with one another first in the language of dress. Long before I am near enough to talk to you on the street, in a meeting, or at a party, you announce your sex, age, and class to me through what you are wearing, and very possibly give me important information or misinformation as to your occupation, origin, personality, opinions, tastes, sexual desires, and current mood. By the time we meet and converse, we have already spoken to each other in an older and more universal tongue. That's a pretty powerful quote, and when you put that together with this metaphor of God as our clothes, it lends itself to thinking. So, we use clothes to create and communicate our identity. I am dressed in a suit today which I have heard from all of you. <laughs> because everyone knows I hardly ever do this for church unless I have something afterwards. So a no I walked in, the band had five minutes of making fun of me, so that was always fun. And then everyone else would come and go, what do you have after church day? What do you have after church day? What do you have after church day? Because that's what you know. And usually I apologize for dressing like this, but here's the thing, that's purposeful. That's purposeful. See, there can be enough identity politics in church, especially in the pulpit, that I don't want to add to those identity politics. We somehow in churches tend to make the person in the pulpit different. Part of the reason I stand down here, I don't even stand up there, I don't want to be up there. At Cana for the last 10 years, I have done my best to strive against that identity politics to strive against creating that dynamic here. I've always told everyone, I'm not an answer man. I'm just a guy with a Bible, and we are all pilgrims on this journey together. So my apology for when I dress like this is part of that same effort. Suits portray an identity, don't they? Think about it. When we see a suit outside of a formal gathering where you expect everyone to be in one, like at a wedding, 
okay? When you see a suit, what are some of the thoughts that, that arise in your head? Professional, maybe? Oh, that guy must be a professional. Executive. Money. Power. Important. Right? These are all part of an identity that gets portrayed in a suit. And those are all often identities that work to keep communities, especially church communities, from being really close, don't they? And this isn't new. James had to talk about this, right? You bring the most important looking person and the rich person and the nicely dressed person up front and you put the other people in the back. So I don't want to portray that identity because I think clothes can create walls. And we're going to see in a moment, Jesus did not create walls. And then for women, they don't necessarily put this kind of suit on, but they have professional business attire as well. I'm not as voiced in that, but I know plenty of people who are. Now sometimes, especially in the fall, I'm often dressed like this, which my wife hates. <laughs> this is my coaching uniform. Coach gentlemen, the school I coach for. This is a big identity, right here. When I walk onto the field, I'm not just the guy in the field, I'm the coach. And everybody knows that, they know he's the coach. He's not just out here to play with us, he's out here to coach us. And it's very identifying. Right? So uniforms create identity and they identify. What are some other uniforms that you can think of? Chicken suit. Chicken suit? Military. Military. Scrubs. Scrubs. If you go down to Moe's at noontime in Shrewsbury, just scrubs everywhere. And they identify themselves. They're either doctors or nurses. They know. You know. Uniforms. It's an identity. Scrubs. All right. Hold on. Enjoy. City 
Alright, now I feel better. Now I'm dressed the way I'm usually dressed. But here's the thing. This is identity creating and communicating as well, isn't it? Maybe it's just more subtle. So I've got my cool graphic t-shirt on. <laughs> Dave always beats me though. Dave always has it with us. Actually, this though, this is a really cool one. This is an ancient brewery somewhere over in Poland. And I got my 505s on, my favorite clothes in the world, and my Levi jeans. I got my Doc Martens on, and I've got a button down over it. Almost button, but I want you to know I've, I've got this cool t-shirt on. <laughs> And if I had a tattoo, I'd, I'd roll this up. But you don't. But I don't? No. Sarah does. You want to show us yours? No. So here's the thing. You see someone dressed like this, and, and maybe you're thinking, oh, hip? Maybe. Every time I see Dave, I think hip. Or, and he always puts the shirt on over, smart, collegiate, right? Confident. You know, the hole in the knee might make you think, I really don't care what people think of me. These are all ideas that might be authentic about me, or maybe it's because I'm so insecure and really afraid I'm not hip, or not smart, or not collegiate, that I dress like. Clothes. So clothing shapes identity and communicates identity. Lauren Winner writes, if to change clothes can to be to change one's sense of self, if to change clothes is to change one's way of being in the world, if to clothe yourself in a particular type of garment is to let that garment shape you into its own shape, then what is it to put on Christ? What is it to put on Christ? I, I can't answer that for you. That's a question we have to answer for ourselves. What does this whole Christianity thing mean? What does it mean to call ourselves Christians? What does it mean to wear Christ? And I'm going to take this question a step further. For those of us who maybe not appropriate the metaphor this concretely, but are always taking on the label Christian, which is the same thing as wearing Christ. Are we putting on Christ? Or are we putting on a lesser God that we like better? That we think maybe fits us better? Read the Gospels for yourself. You have to. And you have to forget about what anyone's told you about Jesus based on their political agendas or their theological agendas and just read about Jesus and how he lived in the world. And ask yourself, are you wearing Christ? Christ is in the world loving the unlovable, helping the poor, making friends with the friendless, the marginalized, the sinners, seeking the lost to find them, extending mercy, grace, understanding, forgiveness, welcome, love to all people, including his enemies, 
Is this what people see when they see us? Is this what people hear when they hear us talk? When we get on our social media and rant and rave about different things, is, is it Christ or is it us? Everyone we come in contact with every day sees our clothes and they make instant judgments about us based on them. Not necessarily bad judgments, but just judgments. Like when you're at Moe's. Oh, they work up the hill at the hospital. They have scrubs on. So think about this. When people see us, do they see Jesus Christ? Not American Christianity, God forbid. Do they see Jesus Christ? I think if we were putting on Christ like we put on clothes, we might be able to be, as St. Francis said, sharing the gospel always, but only when absolutely necessary using words. But maybe that's just how Christianity in America became all about words. Because no one's living Jesus Christ anymore. So we can just talk. Oh, you need to do this. And you need to believe this. And you need to go to that church. And you need to embrace this theology. And you, you, you. Wouldn't it be nice if Christians could just be quiet again? You know, in Acts, they didn't get called Christians because it said, because they went around the city telling everyone how to believe and what to do and repent. No, because they were living together and loving people. What could possibly have led the Roman centurion to say, truly, this was the son of God, about a guy that just got killed and crucified as a common criminal? Maybe he heard him pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not. We don't even want to share what we have with innocent people. <laughs> and there's Christ sharing everything he has with people that are killing him. Are we wearing Christ? Or are we wearing a flag? Or are we wearing something else? What are we wearing? We also use clothes to create, define, and identify communities. Communities. I already mentioned nurses and doctors. We've heard about the military. School uniforms. Those create community, don't they? Today, let's see. I know Laney's dressed up like Tom Brady. No one else is yet, but by 3 o'clock this afternoon, people throughout New England will be dressed as a community wearing Patriots uniforms. There's religious garb. And these are all purposeful, and some are useful, and some are even positive, these uniforms. They do create communities that are important, and that's, that's a positive thing. There's a big argument for school uniforms that sometimes I think I agree with. But let's talk about other ways clothes define community. Armani suits, vineyard vines, Polo, Nike, or what about dirty, mismatched, oversized, undersized? 
Clothes create communities of class structure, don't they? My wife works in a public school. I work there at times. I see it all the time. And then what's really sad is that these kids that can't fit in, so then they, they claim to be rejecting the entire system, but they're not. They just create their own community to feel better about themselves. If we're wearing Christ, would we participate in creating borders, boundaries, exclusivity, walls, if we're wearing Christ? How about this uniform, prison uniforms? Lauren Winner, the, the woman who wrote this amazing book that I'm using to get this little series out of, she talks about bringing her college students, um, girls, they go down to a women's prison once a week. And all the women are dressed in orange. And uh, during one of the, they never usually hear from the guards. The guards are just in the back doing their thing. But one day, all of a sudden, the guards made all the prisoners stand up, and they didn't know what was going on. Well, what was going on was they would stand in the back, and they would count their prisoners. Well, on that particular day, she had a student who, just by sheer chance, put on a sweater that was the same color as the prison uniform. And the guards couldn't figure it out. Where, why are they getting a wrong number for their prisoners? So there they are in trying to love on people that need love, doing what Jesus said to do, visit the prisoners. And even there, there's just division in walls based on clothing. Christ did not create boundaries. He didn't build walls. He came to break them all down. His disciples studied his disciples. His disciples probably initially dressed in very unique and specific ways to them because they were all from distinct classes and agendas and groups. All of them. They had sympathizers and terrorists. Well, nice word is revolutionaries. And yet at his table they sat together and walls and boundaries were broken down. And all the distinctions of the world didn't matter at Christ's table. Here's the thing, Paul understood clearly just how important and radical this was. Now notice our text. Right after he says, you are clothed in Christ, he says this. Right after, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. This is absolute brilliance. This isn't coincidence. This, we, we studied Corinthians for years here, and Paul is an incredible, incredible writer. This is absolute sheer brilliance. See, in that day and age, these three distinctions were most readily identified by clothes. Right here, Jew and Gentile, they always dress different. Even today, you can find Orthodox groups of Jews that dress purposely so they're recognized as Jews. That's the positive side of that equation. The negative side is how many times throughout history have Gentiles forced Jews to dress a certain way? As late as the 40s in Europe. Slaves? Slaves have always been dressed differently by their masters. Even in our country, which was racially and agriculturally based slavery, slave owners dressed their slaves uniquely so they could identify them. And male, female? That still goes on. I grew up in a church where women couldn't wear pants. No, it was 1970s, America. 
and even looking around today. I mean, there's some genderlessness going on, but because Joe's got a wicked cool graphic T-shirt on, actually, <laughs> from Hogwarts. She, she's got the best one on today, too. She's wearing Hogwarts. <laughs> but still, even with all the gender bending of clothing, it's still pretty easy to see who's a female and who's a male. So, again, the question, is the Christ we wear, this Christ who tore down walls, who welcomed all into community, or are we wearing a lesser God who divides and destroys? Winner asks brilliantly, do I participate in the holy reordering, the boundary breaking that Paul speaks of in Galatians? If the answer is no, can I say with any integrity, that I am in fact wearing Jesus. And finally, we use clothes to cover, to protect, to hide. Now, when it comes to cover and protect, I think these are probably very accessible metaphors for God. I think they are. We use them all the time, right? The, 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 the pinnacle of that is the psalmist in chapter 46, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. We love that metaphor for God. Not that we might always appropriate as clothes, but we love God as our cover and our protector. All right? So I think most of us can appropriate that. But it is this idea of hiding that I want to talk about. Because I think this can be so helpful to many of us. And, and if anything I just said, was really challenging to you, and you're starting to feel a little convicted by that, here comes the gospel. Right? I should have started with this. But so let this wash over you. All right? Many of us use clothes to hide something or other we don't like about ourselves. Many of us. So when I was a late teenager, early 20s, I read somewhere, I have no idea, I was trying to think about this week, where did I learn that? Because it might not even be true, but it sounded good to me, <laughs> that horizontal stripes made you look bigger. And so I'm a young teenager, early 20s, I wanted to be bigger, right? I wanted to be the guy's guy. So I, you know those, uh, those rugby shirts with the big pitch stripes? I had like 10 of them. <laughs> Every different color, put them on, ooh, he's big. <laughs> now I'm 50, I like beer a little bit too much. So now I wear vertical thin stripes. <laughs> and it hides. Likewise, you know, the older I get, I used to love, I still love the beach. It's my favorite place in the world, but the last couple of years, I really don't take off my t-shirt at the beach anymore because, see, God in his unbelievable humor, like, I can grow copious amounts of hair just not here. <laughs> like, it's stupid. Who grows hair on their fingers? I, I'm always asking my wife, is there any hair in there? Get, cut it out, please, because I can't see. So I leave my t-shirt on now, because if I take it off, it looks like I'm wearing a sweater to the beach. <laughs> Shame. That's what it is. I'm ashamed. It's dumb to be ashamed. I didn't do anything about it. It's just my jeans. But we use clothes to hide. Here's the thing about shame, I, I said this last week, it's not from God. And if you've ever been told shame is part of conscience, I'm sorry, it's a lie. Conscience is a good thing. It helps us know what's right and wrong sometimes, not shame. Shame deals in death, not life, but God deals in life. Shame is not from God. 
Shame is something evil. Understanding God as a close can really help with shame. Because I want you to think of it this way. Our clothes are consistently closer to us than anything else. Our clothes know our bodies better than we do because they can see all of our bodies. So if God is our clothes, that means God too knows our bodies better than anyone, better than even us. And while we may want to use clothes to hide those areas we are ashamed of, God wants to be that close to all of our shame, our physical or otherwise. Lauren Winter says it so beautifully. If I could know God wants to nestle up close to the places of my shame, as close as clothing, then the shame would dissolve and go away. Oh. Let that be a thought. Every time we are thinking of using clothes to hide something, think of God as our clothes, a God who only takes shame away and a God from whom we need not hide anything because he loves us just the way we are. Hmm. Even if we haven't been actually wearing Christ lately, he still loves us. Embrace that reality and we will start to wear Christ. We will shed our lesser gods and change our clothes. We will, because this God loves us just the way we are. The great Charles Spurgeon wrote, you are always in God's sight comely, always in God's sight lovely, always in God's sight as though you were perfect, for ye are complete in Christ Jesus and perfect in Christ Jesus. Always do you stand completely washed and fully clothed. And there are two more th ideas surrounding this metaphor that I want to suggest as we wrap up here. In the beginning, God clothed us. That's what we looked about last week. And we have now been clothed with Christ. Well, if we are called to be like Christ, then it only follows that we should then clothe others. James knew this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And obviously, James knew Christ, heard Christ teach all the time. This is just application of Jesus' own teaching. His most famous teaching. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So I suppose then what this really means, this metaphor, 
is when we clothe someone, we are not just giving them clothes, we are giving them God. And ultimately, we are clothing God as he first clothed us. Wow. One of the things I'm most terrified of is trying to explain to God why I refuse to give him any clothes or any food. I can't wait. Well, actually, I can. I could wait for an eternity to have to see that look on his face as I try to explain all my loopholes and my politics and my theologies that allow me not to help God. I claim to believe in him, and yet he's so clear. As you did this to all of these people, you did it to me. <laughs> That's going to be a fascinating moment, isn't it? Thank God he loves us. Thank God he loves us. This is why I believe in grace. <laughs> There's nothing else that's going to save us. Nothing. You can't be a good enough or a correct enough Christian to get into heaven. You can just have a God that loves you enough. And finally, this one I really love, clothing ourselves is the singular most consistent routine in our lives. And so over the last two weeks, if I've been exploring this metaphor, I've been asking myself this over and over and over again. I wonder what my life would look like if I honestly could define my faith, my relationship with God, my loving God, and loving others as the singular most consistent routine in my life. Imagine what that would look like for all of us. For all of us. So, are we daily, as sure as we put our clothes on in the morning, putting on Christ the Lord? I believe, I believe, if we would spend time with this metaphor, I've been spending time with it for two weeks, and it's a powerful and beautiful metaphor. I think we would learn to love God more, learn to be loved by God more, and learn to live in this world as God would have us live. Amen.